It is a pleasure to be with you in the best way that we can. These recordings are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. I take us this time to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. It has often been observed by students, teachers, and commentators that it is likely possible Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon early in his life, Proverbs during the middle part of his life, and then as a senior, an elderly man, Ecclesiastes. While it isn't necessary to pin that down with absolute certainty, it seems to fit what we know from the Old Testament about the life of this man, Solomon. So, in the case of Ecclesiastes, here is an elderly man with experience, good or bad, reflecting back and writing some final words. And we arrive in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 to find these words in verses 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they're doing evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow... A vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. I want us to look at these three words, guard your steps. King James, keep thy foot. New American Standard Do not be hasty. One paraphrase might be, watch your step. When I was a boy, we didn't have a car, so the local bus company was our primary means of transport. Well, I guess walking was primary, but when the destination required it, we used public transportation. And you would wait at the designated bus stop, usually a corner, The driver would pull up, and as the door opened, he would always say, watch your step. And we take that to mean be careful, don't fall, watch your step, pause and take your time. It is that simple point that opens Ecclesiastes chapter 5. But the subject here is our attitude and approach to God. Our attitude an approach to God. Historically, the image here evokes that of the Israelite 
making his way toward or into the temple. That ancient place of worship was not just another place he had to go in his list of errands. The idea is don't take this lightly. Be careful. Watch your step. Pause and consider everything about your approach to God. So go ahead and look at how the passage concludes. The last phrase in verse 7, God is the one you must fear. So it starts, watch your step. And the bookend at the other side is, God is the one you must fear. Reverence is the idea here. Care in knowing who we are talking about, who we are praying to, who we are serving, and who we will stand before someday. God is in heaven, and you are on earth. I tell you, we need this. I want us to notice as this passage opens a command, a motive, and a prohibition. The command is guard your steps. The motive is listen. The prohibition is do not be rash with your mouth. Now, consider each of those just briefly. The command, guard your steps, has in it caution and care and authority behind it. Some of the things we do in our daily routine, we may do in an almost mechanical way. We have formed certain routines and habits, and those actions may not require much thought or heart. Opening a door, turning on a light, shifting the gears in your car. Solomon isn't talking about those almost automatic procedures. No, he says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. You're not going to just any place to see anyone. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. That's the command. The motive is to listen. You know, everywhere in the Bible, in every dispensation, in both Testaments, one's relationship with God has always required listening, paying attention, not just reacting but slowing down and reverently paying attention, knowing at the deepest level who God is and what he requires of us. Again, this is not about just walking around or going anywhere to see just anyone. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God with your ears and your mind open to listen. It might even be said this way crudely, shut up and listen. And that brings me to the prohibition. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. I immediately think of what Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 2 and verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And Romans 3, where Paul is identifying the human problem as sin, and he says in verse 19, let every mouth be stopped. So the command is, guard your steps. The motive is 
to listen, and the prohibition is do not be rash with your mouth. One translation says, let your words be few. Let's dig a little deeper. This is about who God is, who they were dealing with, who we are dealing with, the God of heaven and earth. This is a warning all readers need to take heed to. It is a warning against the casual approach, the indifference, the routine, mechanical, ritualistic approach to our God. It may remind us of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 7, who stood at the gate of the temple to exhort the Israelites who were going in to amend their ways. To be careful, he said, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Solomon's words here in Ecclesiastes 5 is a critique of superficial religion, where there is no fear of God in your heart. There is an absence of reverence. You're just going through the motions. You're going through a routine. Solomon says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. All right. What should I do with this in my life? And what about you? What should we do with this? I want to point out three things. One, God is in heaven and we are on earth. Now, this isn't just a matter of location. No, this is God is God. We are not. This is he is the creator we are the created. This is he is the father, we are the children. And I cannot be wholly spiritual. I cannot be effective as a disciple. I cannot be useful in the kingdom until I know who I'm dealing with, the God of heaven and earth. The Old Testament documents how so many Israelites brought the right animals to the right altar at the right time, yet without genuine awareness of who they were offering the sacrifices to. And the Old Testament documents how so many knew God's law but didn't really know God. And then in the New Testament, there were those who had the appearance of godliness but denied its power, knowing the Bible must always take us to knowing God. And as we get to know who God is, we open his book again to discover how we should approach him, the care, the reverence. I heard a preacher say one time to express the idea of Ecclesiastes 5, don't walk into God's office with your mouth open, blabbing this and that. Let your words be few. And this is not about counting words. This is about 
who God is. God is in heaven, and we are on the earth. Watch your step, please. Number two, this applies to prayer, worship, and life. What Solomon wrote was not just for the Israelites who went to a place, who went to the temple. God is not just God while his people are in a building or in a temple. This is about prayer, this is about worship, and this is about all of life from the inside out, knowing who we're dealing with. Number three, I want to emphasize, listen. Oh, preacher, I'm listening right now. Are you about done? (laughs) Well, I hope you're listening now with your Bible open, learning and deciding to remember this, but there is a constant listening that needs to be happening in our lives. As we engage the daily routines, we have to engage as a function of responsibility. Are we remembering and listening to what God's Word says from moment to moment? Or do we get distracted by the noise of the busy lives around us and in us? Solomon gives an example uh, that is not necessarily connected to collective worship or the temple. Listen to this part. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. See, this is not just about going to a building going to an assembly, going to a worship event, or approaching the Lord in prayer. It is about all of our relationship with God. In the practice of integrity, making and keeping promises, fulfilling uh, commitments you've made to God, don't let your mouth lead you off into sin. I've got to be listening to God and maintaining a healthy awareness of who he is in all that I do, not just when I go to a building. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So what we're looking at here in Ecclesiastes 5 is reverence for God. In assemblies for worship, in prayer, in all of life, whatever you do, in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord, giving glory and praise to God. Watch your step, please. Philip Ryken wrote this. The trouble, of course, is that it is hard for us to listen. So many other voices clamor for our attention. Even when we enter a quiet place for worship, the noise of the surrounding culture is still ringing in our ears. It is easy to let our thoughts wander, but hard for us to hear the voice of God, not only in assemblies, but in life. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they're doing evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven, 
and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Who are we dealing with? God is the one you must fear. That's how the passage ends in verse 7. Who are we dealing with? The almighty creator, whose nature and character is seen in what is made, perfect in power, goodness and wisdom, abundant in mercy, just, unchanging, willing to forgive, perfectly portrayed for us in the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Watch your step, please. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth, and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And then how does Solomon conclude all of this argumentation at the end of the book? The end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Watch your step, please, and thank you for listening.